it's really, really fun because it's like, oh, wow, we have like all these things that we can do and we're figuring out like styles and like palettes and like we've got like a DP on board and like she's like all fired up about, you know, having multiple camera angles. And now we're like, all oh, right. Yeah. Now we have to think about like renting a lens package that is worth thirty to forty thousand yeah. dollars and insuring something like that. And do we insure it through ourselves? Do we create a production company like an, an in order LLC to see for yeah. the production? Yeah. 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 So that's Tiny I Town mean, Productions LLC. Yeah. Yeah. John, honestly, that's a great name. We are we are floating names out for this. So Tiny Town Productions does sound kind of great. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, other, other than that, I'm just so grateful that this season is over. I'm so, I've never breathed a larger sigh of just exasperated relief than I did after that flag dropped on the last lap of the Grand Prix. Yep. So uh, why don't we do it? Why don't we get into it? Let's let's do it. Let's let's step right in. Chit chit chat about the the thing that we love, which is Formula One. Welcome to the F1 Files. This is our Formula One podcast. We are a couple of best friends who have just loved this sport oh so much, even though it has decidedly not loved us back for this season. I was hoping we were going to get a little bit of love, but we ended up not getting really any of the love back. Anyways, I'm one of those hosts. Uh, My name is Corey Willis. I'm a writer, actor, improviser out here in Los Angeles, California. And I'm John Lepore, creative consultant designing the future for film, technology, and automotive. Holding it down on the East Coast, uh, Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, Mm -hmm. wrapping up the season Mm -hmm. Uh, my biggest takeaway from this weekend as a whole was that, yes, I'm glad for the season to be over, but also the race, the race itself seemed weirdly chill. I mean, I guess it makes sense. It's like the last day of school, right? Like there's like a little extra bit of euphoria and there's nothing, you know, there's no real, I mean, there were some. There were some things still yet to be decided, but there Mm -hmm. still seemed to be this relatively like extra casual atmosphere around the event and the the race itself, while dynamic and, you know, interesting and had a decent amount of stuff going on, still had a sort of like calm around it. And I, I wouldn't describe it as like the race was boring. But no. there was just this sort of like, and I, I enjoyed watching it, but I didn't feel, you know, particularly invested in, in any of it for a number of reasons, which you can all uh, immediately imagine, but yeah, also it just, no. it just felt, it just felt kind of, kind of chill. And I, yeah, uh, uneventful, I, I sort of I'd like say that. yes, yeah. uneventful in a, in a very, and I think what, what, what you're, what you're describing is kind of like what we were what what I I cheekily introed the podcast with which is just like I think everyone's like a little bit like exhausted and fatigued uh and in like this like uh I I used to and I still do 
when I when I have a day with where I've like spent a ton of energy, um, I I say to myself or to the people around me, "Wow, that was a, that was a day well spent." Where it's like, "Oh yeah, I really spent that day. Like that, I left nothing, nothing in reserve." Uh, and that is what this, that's what the vibe was that I took was like, wow, this was like a season that was exhausting and we're all tired and we're ready to just go home. We're not like mad that we are exhausted, but we're just like acknowledging the fatigue that we've all been feeling. And it's kind of like shoulders down. Okay. We can all agree. That was like a bit exhausting right um Mm -hmm. in a good way in a good way um and i mean this overall including like max's dominance all season was just like that was exhausting to watch that was exhausting to like struggle through and enjoy and find little highlights um that said it was it's it was an imperious performance it's something that we will look back on and be like Wow, that was like some wild. That was wild. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to look back on it the same way that I look back on like Seb's dominance, though. Um, So the the meme that's been circulating the most this morning, there's an old Porsche uh, advertisement that was celebrating how they finished at Le Mans Mm -hmm. one year. And it was like, Porsche finished first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and seventh. And then the headline, you know, says nobody's perfect. And so that's been going all around Yeah, um, with, you know, Red Bull having won every single race this season, except for Singapore, Singapore. won by Ferrari. Um, and there was somebody made a, a double version of it, which was, I think it was the 1989 season and it's all McLaren, McLaren except again one race by by Ferrari. Ferrari. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we've seen this kind of dominance before, but this is by all, you know, rule book standards and mm-hmm. whatnot. This is by far, you know, all the percentages are this is the most dominant season we've ever yeah. seen by a team, most dominant season we've seen by a single driver, blah 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 whatever that is that is what it is the race the race still like yeah. and the weekend as a whole still had a couple a couple little like nuggets that i enjoyed uh i would say that like the race uh i, I tried to write this down because i was trying to be extra eloquent uh yeah. with with my words the the race i think showcased a lot of like rich and sophisticated strategy as well as some serious steamy erratic intrigue Ooh! Oh, I say, God. I say that because uh, M- Mrs. Lepore and I, our favorite movies to watch these days, has mm-hmm. been digging up corny old '90s erotic thrillers. Yeah, um, I was just going to say, yeah, and a, there's an abundance of them, and I don't know yeah. what it is. Like we watch anything. Like I could watch the latest, you know, Oscar contender, whatever it is, and we like slip into phone mode, and yeah. we put we put a corny. 90s erotic thriller on like no Mm -hmm. matter if the movie is like excellent like say like basic instinct or sometimes even more so when it's absolutely awful like uh, i think it's the color of night 
is probably our favorite out of all of these, just despicably awful. Okay. We are yeah. like, we're, we're glued to the screen. Like we can't take our eyes off it. And it's just, yeah. it's deeply engaging and we're having wonderful, uh, you know, uh, married person discourse about every aspect of the film and the, yeah. the choices that are being made. And then like, you know, I, I could throw on whatever the, the latest, oscar contender is and we're just like nah, whatever yeah whatever yeah. it's not really that i mean it's you know it's uh not like a popcorn movie necessarily but it's definitely not something that is yeah as fascinating so, yeah yeah we've been charting the path of uh dark alonzo rising yes and uh, for sure it, it hasn't i i wouldn't say that he's emerged out of the ocean full godzilla style uh ready to rampage in the way that i th- i think we were thirsting for but yes there's still there's still some key ingredients that are coming out there and i have and i i say that this race put like an interesting twist or cap on that storyline for the season mm-hmm. Because I've never before seen the stewards use the word or call out someone for erratic driving. Erratic I'm sure driving. it's in the rule yeah. book. I'm yeah. sure it's in the rule book. But to see a message come on screen that like we're looking into Fernando Alonso for erratic driving. I think to me that 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 warmed my heart. There's one other instance of this uh, that I can recall, or maybe I'm just like putting it on the the incident because it was such a like, whoa, um, was the last time Hamilton got brake checked, which was uh, in a very yes. similar scenario when Max Verstappen played a little DRS chicken with him uh, in a in another desert Grand Prix. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. That's. I think that was the last time I saw erratic driving, and that was also maybe the first time I saw that that I can recall. Um, but yeah, that was like so. That was wild. So that was wild. So Fernando did like I. I didn't even like so. Lewis called it uh, getting brake checked by yes. Fernando. Yes. Um, heading towards a corner, and you know, and like I'm expecting, like okay, so he like went a little too hard on the brakes, but it was mm-hmm. well in advance of the corner. Oh, it was like a hundred meters before like, like where the braking was to intended break. to begin. Yeah. 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 It literally is like at prior to the 150 meter, like marker on the track that says like, Hey, you're, you're about to hit the corner in 150 meters. Usually you break at like 50 meters, but it was quite literally a mm-hmm. hundred plus more. Yeah. And it was like a little less that he like tapped the brakes and more that he like, you know, put his car into park and like, you know, stalled yes. it. Uh, you know, uh, it was it was quite, yeah. quite surprising. And so like uh dirty, dirty move. I yes. think it was appropriate for the stewards to look into it. And I salute you, Fernando, for bringing a whole new level of. Uh, you know, uh, terminology into mm-hmm. uh, into the race that I had I I hadn't remembered seeing uh, pretty yeah. much ever. I, I thought that was great, and also yeah. a little bit of like uh, saltiness over the radio uh, from him to the team at other points of the race as well. 
which was such a weird thing. There were a couple of instances, um, not just Fernando, but Lewis also having like some moments on the radio. Uh, and it's like, I love listening to Hamilton's radio, especially when the car isn't performing well, mm. but like most acutely when the car is just outside of the performance window that he is like happy with. Uh, I say this because like he was the second fastest car on track and I was like watching this happen and watching him like just close up the gap to the cars in front of him and then being like, Oh wow. What are his lap times? Cause I'm hearing Bono come over and like give the other people's lap times. And then like looking at the data being like, this dude is like four tenths of a second slower than Verstappen consistently for like 10 laps of the race. And on lap eight of that run, he was like, Oh, the car is just so slow. And Toto comes on the radio and he's like, Lewis, you're the second fastest car on track. Let's go. Like, it was just like, mm-hmm. hey, hey, shut up and drive. Like, it was that. Yep. Yeah. And I, I kind of loved that. So somehow I had missed during the broadcast that that was a response to Lewis complaining. And, it, and well, it I wasn't on the it, broadcast. It was only brought up. Okay. Because like, they, they did on the broadcast, yeah. they brought up Toto's. Yep comment which i took as like oh that's nice he's encouraging him and like Mm-mm-mm. the 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 sky sports team even called out like well like technically he's like a you know a, a hundredth you know a few hundredths behind max but that's effectively you know yeah whatever and uh and i was just like oh that's you know that's nice toto yeah. just sending some positivity over the airwaves and like interesting that it's him doing it but that's also like that's when you hear toto over the radio when he's just like you know, uh, the principal is sticking his head into the classroom to be like, get this under control right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so weird to hear the way he, cause there was like something that, um, basically he brought this up to George too. Like he had, I don't know if it was during the race, but basically he was like, all right, George, get your head down. Or maybe it was in like the Vegas Grand Prix or something, but basically like he, has this way of talking to Lewis and the way that he talks to George. And they're so different, like so incredibly different. It is so much more like coddling for George to be like, come on, buddy, keep up the good work. Like you're doing great versus Lewis where he's just usually, it feels like an old married couple where they're just like, I know what you're doing. Stop. Mm -hmm sighing loudly at that New York Times article that you keep telling me I should read to. I know I should read it. I'll just read it when you're done. Could you stop <laughs> sighing loudly at the breakfast table? Like it's, yeah, I, I love. That's it. I love it. It's I love perfect, it. Perfect analogy. That's beautiful. Oh, um, so, all right. Uh, back otherwise, to Alonso. Back to Alonso. Yes. Yeah. Back, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I don't want to, I don't want to stray away from this because there were a couple of beautiful moments. What what else stuck out to you in this? Um, so I mean, for me, that was I, I was just looking out for his saltiness. I mean, he was also mm-hmm. putting in a, a solid drive and getting tangled up with uh, multiple different, uh, yeah. different high level drivers and and whatnot, and just you know fighting it out. What else was catching your eye from Fernando this weekend? Just that, like when he did, like talk on the radio about the pace of the car 
there was this like almost like um like he was like through his teeth like telling his engineer the car was yeah. slow uh just like i can't do anything else right now the car is slow and it was like ooh fernando you're actually doing fine buddy like truly mm-hmm. you're doing fine in this race he ended up finishing fourth uh so like it's not that he was doing a bad job or that the car was really that slow i think he wanted to finish on the podium uh at abu dhabi though um because the last time he got a bunch of attention at abu dhabi was when everyone was doing donuts after he retired so i think this would have been like a big moment for him um yeah that was that was the other thing that stuck out to me was the growling Alonzo uh, over the race. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. So the other thing that I enjoyed seeing a few times over the whole mm-hmm. weekend mm-hmm. was some insane Tokyo drifting going on yeah. all over the place on this track. And I don't yes. know what it was that was triggering that like i've i i know i've heard stories that like you know you can find videos online of you know uh billionaires in their supercars on dubai streets just like very casually drifting all over the place because there is so much sand that gets yes. blown onto the roadway surface that will make it surprisingly slick and and whatnot so i don't know if that was what was going on here i I have to imagine they keep that stuff under control but like all right so we saw at the end of qualifying Mm -hmm. we saw lando putting in an absolute bender of a lap yeah and on the final corner huge drift from him Mm -hmm. um and it Definitely messed up his lap, but it didn't destroy it. His lap was still pretty solid, and he held yeah. he held and controlled this drift beautifully. Yes, I thought. Yeah, and 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 I think everybody that caught everyone's attention. Like that was just like wow, he went full on sideways, and he didn't lose it. He didn't spin. He didn't throw it away. No. He controlled that. And after that, I don't think many people noticed. Piastri did almost the same exact thing. It wasn't as lurid. It wasn't as like huge yeah. a slip angle as Lando had, but it was it was very very similar. But it was, and you, now that you mention this, uh, watching free practice, uh, the first free practice, basically half the grid were rookie drivers or like yep. reserve drivers, and Pato Award was one of them in the McLaren again, and he had that same snap of oversteer at that turn one uh, or the, the last turn going onto the straight Yep. Uh, as he was like starting his lap, he came in and just like slammed on the gas and the car just like twitch sideways. And uh, the offboard doesn't look that intense. Um, if you're like looking at the car as it's like coming out of the corner, but there's a camera that's set behind the cars as they like go into that corner. And then also the onboard camera. And like when he puts his foot on the gas, like the car just like very quickly turns directly at like the barrier. And then you just see him make the like quickest. It was, it's like watching Hamilton or Verstappen catch a slide, uh, but watching Pato award catch a slide 
he moves as like smoothly as Jensen moves when he catches slides. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's just, I, I, I said this a couple of times over the course of the weekend, but like, I really, really want to see Pato award in an F1 car. Like, I think he would be so good for the grid. Um, I think he's like Daniel Ricardo with like this extra bit of charisma uh, that is just so interesting and so like, self-aware uh mm-hmm. there was like a moment where the camera panned to him like during the race and he just did the thing where i was like if i'm ever at a race and i know that the camera turns on and like is on me and i'm on the broadcast or on one of the screens the only thing i want to do is just slowly like catch the camera and just slowly turn and just look into the camera and then just hold that stare. And Pato mm-hmm. Award did that in the middle of the broadcast. And I was like, I love this dude. I love I want this dude in F1 so bad. Um I mean, kudos to the the broadcast director who like cut the feed before he cracked a smile, but like yeah. it was just this perfect moment, like later in the race that they cut to him. Uh, it's it's really funny that you mentioned that because I get and maybe I'm just too into like the logistics of the broadcast and whatnot, but I'm always mm-hmm. deeply distracted by like whenever they show someone who's sitting, yeah. you know, in the pits, headset on and whatnot, and they're watching the screen like you can tell there's going to be like a half to a one second yep. delay before they then realize that they're looking at themselves and almost nobody handles that gracefully like some no. people like freak out and are deer to headlights and don't know what to do next. Some people like start looking for the camera and then they find it and then they don't know what to do next. And like, Mm -hmm. I I love any time that there's somebody who just like knows how to like, Oh, cool. I'll look up at the camera and give a, you know, a thumbs up and a smile or whatnot. Even as corny as that is, it's just like, okay, at least you, you, you navigated that. That's, that's the Jean Lacey right there. That is like the full on, like anytime they throw to him, in the back of the Ferrari garage, like they'll just throw to him and he will have the quickest reaction time. <laughs> and just like, oh, I see the cameras looking at me. I'm just gonna throw a thumbs up. Maybe it's a a thing where it's like, oh, he's been in those pits and in the paddock for long enough where anytime a camera is like pointed at him, he's like, I know who I am. I know what's coming. I should probably just spike the camera and like give a thumbs up anyways. Um yeah, there. I I love those moments too, John. It's like, and it's and the and the worst is when someone just tries to make themselves look like they're just doing their job like harder. You know, like yeah. and you can see them like turn it on and be like, oh no, now everyone's watching me analyze yeah. the yep. race. Now I have to, you know, yeah, yeah. I just did little, the uh, little... for for folks listening. I just did the like mm-hmm. stroking the jaw where you're like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Let me let me look as though I'm like really deeply analyzing something. Um, yeah. The the mm-hmm. other the the other thing that I love, other than like just the acknowledgement of the camera, is like the engineer uh, who like very quickly and subtly like puts his hand up over uh, or her hand up over like just the buttons on the on the console in front of them so they're just like i don't want anybody seeing our configuration and it's like dude there's i know that there's nothing that is like really like you can't figure anything out by being like oh 
which call button is where because that's ultimately what they're mm-hmm. like looking at is just like call buttons or they have like buttons that cycle through sub menus and it's like they don't have those buttons labeled but it's just so f- i love that i love it so much um either the total commitment uh, to the craft or the like i know i'm on tv it's great is speaking uh, of total commitment back to uh Tokyo mm-hmm. Drift Action. Yes, there was yes, another yes, yes. one during the race itself, uh, uh somewhere in the final third of the race when Hamilton and Yuki oh, were yeah. duking it out. This is the last Hamilton lap. got into a was it the last mm-hmm. lap? It was the last oh, lap. It was turn nine. He was trying to overtake Yuki. Uh yeah, that, that like turn nine pseudo parabolica yeah. uh turn that they have in there now. Um, and yeah. And yeah. And ha- Hamilton, Hamilton gets a huge mm-hmm. bit of oversteer and, you know, catches it uh, quite like, elegantly. Pulled the move off, like went too deep into yeah. the turn and then like snatched up the brakes. And like, you see him go sideways and then just Yuki's car, just whoop, like right by him uh, on the inside. Uh, Yuki Sonoda. Driver of the day, well-deserved. Well-deserved. This dude, I mean, I, of course, love, we all love Danny Rick, right? We all love Danny Rick. The fact that Yuki has outdriven three separate teammates this year, mm-hmm. like that needs to be, when, when this season is like analyzed and over the winter break and people look at it and they like continue to talk about, oh yeah, Sergio. You know, he's in danger of losing his seat and Danny Rick is there to take a seat. It's like, well, folks, I don't think Danny Rick has earned that seat, quite frankly. Um, if anyone yep. has earned the right to take that seat, it is categorically Yuki Sonoda at this point. I mean, there's just mm-hmm. no, it, it, it's ridiculous. So yeah, I think Yuki Sonoda absolutely has earned his right to be in that Red Bull seat if Sergio loses it next season, which quite frankly, I don't want to, I don't want Yuki to go to that seat. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, what, what are your, what are your thoughts on Yuki's performance, Johnny? I mean, I thought it was amazing. I think Yuki's a rising star. I can't help but think mm-hmm. of the way that, um, drive to survive's most recent season, which was capturing last season, how they ended, the Yuki storyline, which they dove sort of deep into, which was like, they set it up as like, Yuki's lovable, he's interesting, and his big brother, Pierre, is moving away. Oh, right. And he won't be protected anymore. And instead, he's got this cutthroat new Nick DeVries coming in, terrifying new guy set to like flip the table on him, and yeah. completely change everything. And instead of having like a partner and a helper and a and a guide in the team, he's going to have this guy who's there specifically to like execute him. Yes. And to demonstrate that Yuki doesn't deserve his F1 yeah. scene, which is like, okay, what a weird, what a yep. weird storyline to push. Uh, and and obviously we- that's, that's, that is certainly not the way it went. Nick DeVries <laughs> bounced out of the sport yep. altogether mid-season. Yep. Uh, Yuki uh, easily handling him and the pressure. I do still wonder if this is still like 
if this was actually an orchestrated feature of the Red Bull kind of like driver lineup system of like, hey, let's oh. just make sure that we always have a, a threatening villain waiting in the wings to spur, you know, and further motivate our our drivers through yeah. uh, through through their their season. Um, but yeah, I mean, in general, amazing season from Yuki as a whole. Yes. I think you know maybe maybe even in the off season we can dedicate a little more time into just like unpacking um you know how yuki's season went and what we expect from him in 2024 because i think there's we're going to continue to see a lot more happening there yeah yeah like not only did he need to like maintain his position ahead of the williams because that was like what was happening for p7 in the constructors championship there was like this idea that, hey, if like Albon has like another good weekend and if Logan Sargent can like, you know, just kind of stay on his heels a little bit, then we will see Williams take seventh place in the constructors. And that's like tens of millions of dollars. And mm-hmm. Danny Rick did nothing to support the point spread this weekend. Um, yep. But Yuki Sonoda qualified, what was it, fifth? Right? Yeah, I believe so. Fifth, and then finished the race seventh. Was leading the Grand Prix for more laps than almost anybody else has led other than Max Verstappen or Carlos Sainz. It's like, this dude, yeah, he's like the first Japanese driver in like 20 years to lead uh, a Grand Prix. Like, just like all these amazing things came out of this race for Yuki. Uh, and last year he had a stellar race there. And then back in the, you know, the, the Grand Prix that we wish we could all forget, uh, he also had a stunning performance in that, uh, if Mm -hmm. the Grand Prix had been like, if it had finished the way it was supposed to finish, that would have been the secondary story to Lewis winning his eighth title would have been like, Oh, and Yuki Sonoda put an alpha Tauri in the top five, uh, like incredible. Uh, so considering where that car was at the beginning of the season, considering how many teammates he's had, considering the way that he's had those teammates rotated in, I mean, he's had four teammates really. I mean, uh, Danny Rick pre broken hand and Danny Rick, post broken hand and he's showed that he's superior to him in both conditions he showed that he was superior to liam lawson who everyone was like oh wow liam lawson's just like i mean i was one of those people i'm still one of those people who thinks liam lawson is that's he's the implication right we've got the truth and the implication still and the implication is liam lawson and he showed up and yuki was matching him he did get beaten by him in one Grand Prix, but like that. Otherwise, he completely showed his his valor and his merits against uh, a team like a teammate who's maybe going to skip the line completely and not even have to drive for Alpha Tauri. He might just take Sergio's seat in a couple of years. Who yeah. knows? Um, yep. Yeah, just a, a. So there was there was a lot going on in this race. There was. Um, there was now we should talk about Carlos signs 
We we have Ooh. to talk about Carlos Sainz. Um, first of all, he has this massive. He's the, he was like the casualty, one of two casualties of the free practice session, um, where he ended up. Uh, it was free practice run one, right? Was that when he had his? Acne? I think so. Um, or was it free free practice two? It was. Uh... Maybe it was. Free it was practice. on. It was on Friday. Yeah, sure. yeah. So um, he 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 throws it away. Yeah. Yep. Throws it away, but not. I mean, there was this one area. The reason he threw it away is because he bottomed out in the middle of a turn, and mm-hmm. then they ended up like literally grinding that part of the track down so that cars didn't bottom out there anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> underside of i mean basically carlito's ass has yeah. been yeah taking a lot in the mm-hmm. last just in the last two weeks alone yes uh between bottoming out at uh at abu dhabi and taking uh, a manhole cover slash yeah. uh, a piece of the racing surface with him yeah in vegas uh rough rough break for him i hope he uh I don't know, in the off season is able to mm-hmm. like, you know, not do any like horseback riding. <laughs> yes. Or Carlos, I need you to stay off of bikes on mountain roads uh, because we've yeah. got uh, Alonzo who broke his wrist, then his teammate broke his wrist. And we don't need to make this like a uh, Spanish uh, broken wrist sandwich. Um, we do not mm-hmm. need that. Um He's going to spend yeah. some sweet time with his chiropractor <laughs> yeah, over yeah. the break. Yes, yes. Get himself all aligned. He also is credited for losing the third spot in the constructors. Yes. Yep. Yep. That all or falls Ferrari. on uh, on him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you know, you could say that or you could also credit the same guy with Red Bull not having a flawless perfect season you know like this is could true give him could give absolutely. him some credit there you know absolutely but yeah um, uh uh F- ferrari's const- he went out in p he went he was what p uh 15 like he went p15 yeah. and then immediately got knocked out in qualifying so like yeah uh, i mean kind of put himself in a bad spot bad oh bad race strategy Johnny, can we talk about this race strategy? Uh, are you up to date on like the communicate? I didn't hear all the communications. I kind of want to go back through and listen to all Carlos's radio comms. Uh, uh, I, I wasn't even, I mean, I just know it didn't go very well for them. And I think uh, I was more, and we'll certainly talk about Leclerc's strategy radio. Yeah. Communications yeah, 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 as, yeah, as well. There was a um, reason why those communications were coming through and why he was making them. Um yeah, oh, there's there was a certain point in the in the Grand Prix where signs literally comes on the radio and goes, his his uh engineer's name is Ricky. Um and he's like, uh, what is our plan, Ricky? Uh I'm I'm kind of lost out here. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And and Ricky, his engineer, responds with, uh, in essence, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically, Ricky, like, 
crossed his fingers and then hit the comm button and went like safety car. Uh, and like that yeah. was, yeah, 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 yeah. That was their strategy was like, Ooh, I hope there's a safety car. Otherwise we're we... looking, we're currently considering the possibilities of there also being an earthquake or maybe even calling in a bomb threat to the race. Yes. Those yeah. are our, those are our options currently. Hey, like that alien was... abduction is not off the table. Uh, it is yes. not off the table. Um, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant strategy from Scuderia Pagliacci. Like when they're fighting for tens of millions of dollars in this constructors yeah. champion, like they're and not. Yeah, we say tens of millions of dollars for like Alpha Tauri and uh, and Williams. That's like quite literally, I think, like ten, not tens. It's like ten or twelve million dollars that they would have gotten. When we're talking yeah. about Ferrari versus Mercedes for second spot in the constructors championship, we literally are talking about tens of millions of dollars. I mean, so much money. Um, but this was also the thing, John. Were is it better to get second place in the constructors, or is it better to get third because the third place has like, I think like. 10% more wind tunnel time than second place. Yeah, I was hearing like some yeah. some talk about that. I you know, uh, uh, I don't know. I think there's there's yeah. a lot of other, you know, it, it's not just even if that was to strategically outweigh. Yeah. It's not just like bragging rights. There's also like a lot of like sponsorship visibility and you know yeah. all of those things that i think it kind of factored in i mean it's 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 certainly more of a soft science at this point but, but I, like, I do think that there's no intentional like sandbagging for wind tunnel time that's yeah that's at least just my take on it i agree and also this was like part of toto's radio communication to george after the race where he's like you just like you securing p2 helping us secure p2 in the constructors championship he's like that's college tuition those are mortgages those are uh all these like those are like people's mm. school loans like he was like fully said it on the radio like you just did that you just took care of like 2500 people's financial concerns yeah. are now completely and totally not a concern anymore because of your performance today george so I agree, John. Yeah, maybe there's some wind tunnel time to be gained for not even next year. It would be for like the 2025 car too, because they've already got mm -hmm. their budget for wind tunnel and development. Like they've already spent most of it, let alone like, are they trying to like find new ways of like scrapping together more time? They're like, oh no, we've already like, we're, we're now, oh, this is now part of the thing, though, is the FIA met prior to this weekend to discuss a whole bunch of stuff going forward. Did you see that, John? Yeah, uh, around uh, sprints and uh, and mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And I'm just generally, say, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's table that for some... Mm -hmm. 2024 anticipation okay. breakdown because I want to make sure uh, and there's uh, 
I've I've got a a whole array of things that I've been starting to plot for our F1 files off season. Nice. Um to nice, to Scotty. keep us keep us all engaged, but yes, the uh worth definitely worth noting and we'll dive yeah. deeper into it. There are some uh potentially fascinating developments mm-hmm. for some format stuff for for next season. Um yeah none of those format changes will in any way, shape or form help Ferrari's strategic decision-making in 2024. They will not. Oh God. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about it, Johnny. Let's talk about. All right. So, so Charles uh, is on the radio Mm -hmm. at the end of the race. And I feel like it, I feel like this is like sort of becoming like a trend in in F1 where the drivers are now um, uh, most of the drivers on the grid are uh, excellent drivers, Mm world-class drivers. They all know their way around a Formula One car very well and would probably be perfectly adept at racing in other series and whatnot. So they're all, they all have that going for them. Everybody's been also trying uh, a little bit harder to kind of like develop their like personalities a little mm-hmm. more. And I think in, in light of Drive to Survive and also just seeing how like an interesting character like Daniel Ricardo or even Gunther Steiner can capture hearts and, and oh. minds. Yeah. Many of these drivers are blessed with ruggedly handsome or even just you know boy charming timothy chalamet you know good looks whether it's uh you know uh looking at carlos signs or or charles leclerc uh, and and just seeing those guys as all being attractive dream yes yeah. or even looking angle, at pierre gasly and being like yes yeah yeah look at as that a weird as a as a smelly frenchman yeah, yeah. French, french guy that i just I just want him to like whisper stuff into my ear. That's all I want. I mean, it's, he's yeah, he's yeah. clearly exuding um, mm-hmm. terrible smells that are like jam packed with pheromones. Yeah, yeah, are, yeah. Are probably in, intoxicating to all the all the French yeah. ladies. Yeah, just um, people so, walking you know, out into traffic behind him, just like oh, I don't know what to do. Yeah, um, there's there's not that there's not that much more room for improvement there. But now. Mm-hmm. All of the drivers mm-hmm. are looking at ways that they can all become expert chess players. They yeah. all want to join Mensa and and start, you know, striving for for Nobel prizes mm-hmm. for their thoughtful, incredibly well considered uh, brain power yeah. yep. while operating, you know, a, a, a fighter jet. Uh, millimeters yeah. off the ground at hundreds of miles per hour and whatnot. Yeah. And so we've seen all season long, we've seen lots of like drivers watching the screens and, you know, uh, trying to report back to the team uh, almost. Uh, and I think in some cases, particularly Alonzo's just to be a flex, just to be like, Hey, look, yeah. at, well, look at how relaxed I am. Uh, it's like part of Alonzo's whole like break dodging or break, you know, diving thing was like, yeah. he was trying to make sure that he didn't let Lewis pass him while Lewis was on 
because like Fernando was coming out of the pits and he had to warm up his tires. So he couldn't properly defend against Lewis until about halfway through that lap. So what did he do? He like basically took his car out of the pit lane and like slowly creeped across the track to disrupt the air. And then when Lewis went to go around him, he like drifted slightly off track and was looking in his rearview mirrors so much so that he had to lift because if he didn't lift, he would have like plowed right through that 150 meter marker board. Like that's why he like brake checked him is because he was like, oh, I have to take my foot off the gas or else I'll run through this marker board. So like that's the level of like everyone's trying to be a Fernando Alonso. Everyone's trying to be like, how do I be this big brained strategist from the cockpit while 19 other pilots are around me also trying to strategize and dive bomb me at every turn. Yeah. So, so Leclerc's over the radio and he's like continually through the race. Uh He's inquiring and just being like, okay, what's give me the breakdown. What's the status. And like, you can hear like the engineers being like, uh, the uh the well your current pace seems uh appro- appropriate and he's like no you idiot like what's the 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 championship like where are we at in the manufacturer's championship like yeah. you know where where are we in the team standings right now like how close uh-huh. are we to like we're neck and neck let me remind you of the conditions that we entered this race under like we're neck and neck with Mercedes yeah. for second in the championship. Like, how are we doing there? What can I do to like, and like the engineer is immediately just like, uh, like shuffle, well, like frantically flipping yeah. past all the pages on their clipboard. And it's like, yeah, no, you be- hear, you hear all the pages yeah. fall out of the board <laughs> and hit the garage floor. <laughs> and he like, you know, steps on one of his own shoelaces while trying to pick him up. And so like a few laps later, <sighs> Leclerc starts plotting with them. Okay, uh, you know, how about this? What if we, what if we let you know? Because we need to mm-hmm. hold Russell back. I'm in front of Sergio. Sergio's mm-hmm. in front of Russell. Sergio's going to get a five second penalty. At this point, we realize, yeah. At this oh, point, oh, before before we go too deep into this, John, there was a moment yes. Russell also had. Like a similar communication with uh, what's his Dud Duditz, I think, or Dudley, or whatever his his uh, engineer is. He's like, "How's Lewis doing?" And like his en- engineer's like, "Oh, Lewis is fighting his own battles." Uh, and George yeah. is like, "No, yeah. no, what's he doing in the construct? Like, where is he in relation to signs? Mm-hmm. I don't care about like his battles on track. Yeah. Like, I need to know where we are in the constructors." Yeah. So that was. It wasn't just the Ferrari engineers who weren't paying attention. It was that, like, quite literally, George's engineer was like, oh, no, 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 don't worry about Lewis. He's fine. He's like, dude, that's not what I'm, I don't care. I don't care if he's comfortable in the car. I want to know his place in the field. Uh, sorry, go, go, uh, continue with this delightful moment with Leclerc. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, it's... It's just astounding to me that Leclerc starts, you know, from the car, just on his own, starts plotting mm-hmm. this whole scenario of like, well, let's do this. Let's let Sergio pass. He's mm-hmm. got a five-second penalty. But since George is within five seconds, let's let Sergio run off into the yeah. sunset 
and all try to hold back and all try to push back on Russell to get him out of that five second window. Yep. And see if that helps, you know, helps us in the because that'll that'll move us up in the rankings, right? Like can you confirm that? Like, do you have a calculator? Simultaneously, the one on the steering yeah. wheel is very difficult to use yeah. right now. You know, I'm like, in the middle of changing brake balance settings at 90 miles an yeah. hour. Do you mind doing this simple task for me? Um, yeah, yeah. There was, uh, and it's it's not just moving, like, not just moving them up, but like deliberately moving them up just as they're moving Mercedes back. Uh, so it's mm. like, it truly was like a big brain moment. And these strategists should have been like targeting this. This would have been, I assume part of the simulated data that they had run was like, they these simulations run thousands of uh, scenarios per second. So you have to assume that like, before the race, they simulated the idea of like, oh, well, what if what if someone gets a penalty? Like, how do we how do we mm-hmm. where where do we let this person through on the track? They had that down. They figured that out because and I'd say they Leclerc figured that out. He was like, where will I lose the least amount of time letting Sergio through? But also, I don't want to, like, not lose too much time because I do need to be giving George dirty air so it throws off his attack. Like, it was it was not something that Leclerc could have done on his own. And it clearly wasn't something that Leclerc could do on his own because it didn't get done. I, but it also, you know, it just, it was it was this, this whole nature, this whole spirit of like, well, I guess I've got to do it myself, which yeah. has been, you know, obviously not the first time that we've seen Leclerc doing that on uh, uh on ferrari's behalf um and just becoming another sort of like dark hallmark of his relationship with he's now one there, there are two things that are like astonishing as far as like leclerc um and ferrari and like kind of the stats around them um first of all this was the first time that a ferrari has been on the front row at Abu Dhabi in qualifying in their history mm-hmm. and in the history of the Grand Prix, which is like, that's disgraceful that Ferrari has never been on the front row at, had never been on the front row at the last circuit of the F1 calendar. Ferrari is synonymous with F1. Mm-hmm. There is no F1 without Ferrari. And the last race should at least be like featuring the most prominent brand in the sport, right? And meanwhile, like they hadn't, neither had, like they hadn't made it. Uh, and then the other stat around Leclerc is he is now the second most successful qualifier in the history of Ferrari. Mm-hmm. That's bananas, John. Like, that's insane. Um, that's I so, mean, yeah. Th- it's disgusting. They've got so it's many disgusting. Of- like, how does who, the only person to be better at qualifying is like the Michael Jordan of F1? Like, he is second yeah. to that person, and this dude has never really been in contention for a championship. 
I, yeah, it's disgraceful. I mean, also, this is this is a little bit of just Ferrari's curse yeah. as the sort of Italian national team, which is yeah. that, like if this was McLaren, we'd all be like, bravo, McLaren, for putting on yes. an amazing season, uh, despite the fact that McLaren has a prodigious history of of incredible performances in many championships. Mm-hmm. But at Ferrari, it's almost like the closer you get to first place, the more hostile the environment around you mm-hmm. becomes just in terms of like, so what you're saying is you could have won, but you didn't, you know? Yeah. And and this is even after the teams had a miserable last decade yeah. or so. Um, and this is probably their, their best season. Uh, although the numbers don't show it, I, it does seem as though Ferrari is operating at an all-time high. Yeah, for sure. Yet they still they still can't get the wins. Yep. And there's still enough, you know, clownish mistakes happening around that it's easy to point and just assume ultimate failure. I mean, what a what a curse. What yeah, a- it really is. I don't understand. Yeah, it, you you nailed it, John. Where like the closer they get to like actual victory and actual competitive, like mm-hmm. consistently competitive behavior, like the more venomous the Italian press gets, like the more critical. But all, the, all of us, all of us, and it's not just. I mean, the Italian yeah. press are the worst. They're the they worst. Are the yeah, worst. Yeah, yeah, they're the worst at this because they're not. They don't even also yeah. just just generally just emotionally the worst. But yes, yes. Ev- but everyone globally feels the same mm-hmm. the same way that like ah oh, you guys like all right well yeah I guess you know second place will have to do for you guys or when, third place will have to do for you guys like when did this start John like I can't remember I think the last time Ferrari really had like a positive like uh, uh just like a ton of good grace in the sport for me is when it was Alonzo like when Alonzo was driving for them or even when like Felipe was driving for them but even I mean, then I, you, it was you, like you, you had some brief spurts where it was like oh look at that you know like Fernando's driving for Ferrari how exciting yeah uh, and then it still ends in like well, they really could have done a lot more to support such an amazing driver. And then yeah. Vettel is driving for Ferrari. Yeah. Same exact, same story unfolds, you know, basically identically. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, they choose rough, rough break. Charles over the four-time world champion. And then, like, yeah. as soon as they choose Charles... Uh, their car gets flagged for like being illegal. So it's like they they yeah. quite literally don't have, they have no, they've earned so much good grace, but also earned so much ire from everyone in the sport. Um, the Italian press is like the tip of the spear, and then the rest of F one mm-hmm. fandom, including Ferrari fans, like out like outward openly declared Ferrari fans are like. Oh yeah, we just can't get it. And it's like, oh man, don't be. You don't need to be the Ferrari is not the New York Knicks of F one. Like, how did how did that happen? How did how did Ferrari become 
like the Washington generals. Like I wouldn't even say it's like the New York Knicks. They're like truly the Washington, like it feels like their failures are like orchestrated and choreographed because they're just too astounding to be real. Uh, Yeah. Um, Every, (sighs) every, every day at Ferrari is a, is a day at the opera. That's it. That's the, I think that's just sort of it. Like, it's like whatever, whatever you're doing, you're doing it, you know, while everybody else just gets to go about your life at Ferrari, you go about your life on an opera stage. And you've, 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 uh, you've inspired something in me, John. Uh, have you ever seen the play that goes wrong? Was that a is that a show that No, you I've heard I've heard of this though. I've I've heard it it's is delightful. Phenomenal. I I got to watch it out here in in LA when it was when it was out here a few years ago. And I'd say that that is like Ferrari is like the opera that goes wrong where basically just mm-hmm. like everything the the conceit of the play that goes wrong is like it's it's in the title everything about the play everything goes wrong um the actors like miss cues deliberately uh there are failures in the set design that like literally inspire like gasps from the audience because you think that someone is imperiled because of like a failure or like a pyrotechnic mixed fire or something like that um there's even like the the guy like the technical director gets involved in the play accidentally. Um, and like the focus goes from the people on stage to like the tech booth. Like it's just such a like deliberately wrong play. And I feel like Ferrari is just doing that on repeat with like every single Grand Prix. They're just like, Oh, how can we make this Grand Prix go wrong in an unexpected way that like, is scintillating, terrifying, uh, and also like just so funny, just so mm-hmm. like inspiringly funny. Um, I mean, without Ferrari's absolute meltdowns, repeated meltdowns, we would not have as many amazing memes uh, as as we do. Um, yeah. God, I just I, I I I. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's tragic. But again, that's like that's an opera, right? It's a beautiful. That's it. Strategy, tra- tra- strategy. It's a beautiful strategy. <laughs> that's, no, 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 no. That's that's it. That's what. It's a beautiful strategy. Yes, strategy. Tra- 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 that's there. It'll be like Ferrari will probably at some point uh, ahead of the twenty twenty four season appoint a new head yes. of strategy. Uh, tra- tra- yes. Strategy, uh, yes, yeah, a, a strategy engineer. Um, they'll be right yep. there next to them, uh, next to the track side and uh, performance engineer. Mm-hmm. It'll be like, hey, hey, we got to make sure that this is strategically tragic. So you got to give me some room to operate, folks. Um, yeah, just a, just I, I, I don't know. It was really I was waiting for Ferrari to completely like mess this up. And then they did it again in an unexpected way, um, in a way that was yeah. delightful, and in a way that like you can't look at Carlos. I mean, yeah, it was kind of Carlos's fault, 
That's kind of Carlos's fault. Um, but you can't look at Charles and be like, Charles, why didn't you do everything you could have? Uh, yeah. Yep. And that's been like every interview of, with Charles for the past, like, I don't know, 15 races has just been like, Charles, what's going on? And he's just got this attitude of, well, I don't know. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, and they're like, well, yep. what do you, what, do you think you'll be competitive with Red Bull? And it's always a like, yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, Cause it's like, we'll have to see how we are competitive with Red Bull, but then undercut ourselves so that we are no longer competitive. Yep. Uh, it's beautiful. And tratted. Tradigilarious. All right. Well, Uh, I I think we've I think we've more or less captured the spirit of Mm -hmm. the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Um, Corey, uh, coming out of this race, coming out of this season, Mm -hmm. how do you feel about Formula One stock headed into the off season? Uh, I feel like, uh, F1. So now I'm going to get like a little, uh, I don't know much about crypto, but I think I'm going to make a crypto analogy here. <laughs> You've um, set it up already. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so this feels like, uh, uh, like staked funds in a crypto wallet where it's like, oh, F1 has like, uh, has a, a very obvious, value like i can see the value of it um but mm-hmm. that value for me right now as a fan doesn't feel accessible like it feels like i mm. know it's there for sure i can see it i can see everyone else going like wow look how valuable it is but i'm like yeah yeah and like i'm like i'm part of that but like i can't pull i can't pull my funds out <laughs> um i can't like I can't get a little walking around money here uh, uh, with 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 the way that F1 is treating me right now. So I do think that the stock is continuing to go up. But I do feel as though I haven't been able to access my funds for the past like 18 months. And now I'm like, God, I could really I could really use just a night out. Not even like I'm good with grocery money. I'm good with like bill money. I'm good with rent money, but like I do need a night out, but I can't access my funds. Does that sound about right, John? Does that sound for for a crypto analogy uh, that was quite poetic? I think uh, I I I like that quite a bit. I think I get Um, crypto now. I think I understand cryptocurrency now too. Nice. Um, I'm going to try and run with the crypto analogy mm-hmm. and I'm just going to say that like, I'm, you know, like any other person in the sort of like crypto space, I'm just watching <laughs> the, I'm watching the line graph plummet lower and lower. And every single time that there's like just the slightest little spike upwards, I, you know, turn to everyone else and i'm just like this is it we're going you see? to the moon yeah and yeah. then like 15 minutes later it's going back down i'm just like but it but you know it's gonna 
once it hits the bottom, it's going to bounce back up higher than ever. So I'm continuing to delude myself. I, I, I think realistically, the stock is is trending. It's trending downwards mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the season. But I'm always excited to see what happens with a new season yeah. uh, in and and for, you know, going towards that. I'll say for me, uh, the stock for the F1 files is going up because ah, there's yes. a lot to be excited for and looking ahead to. And I think in the off season, there's a lot of things that we've been discussing briefly through the podcast, but also just even off on the side between ourselves about uh, trajectories for for teams that mm-hmm. we see uh, moving moving upwards and all sorts of other things you mentioned today the new sprint format. I think there's going to be some interesting things there. I'm really curious to see how I, I think we might be transitioning out of the America formula one being a novelty and it might actually get into its own slightly more natural or hopefully mm. less cringy groove. And we can talk more about that as it, as yeah. it unfolds. Yeah. Um, there's I, been John, all I'm sorry. sorts. Of- I have to push back against that one last little bit because CBS did announce that they are going to be doing an office type documentary show oh, with God. a Gunther Steiner yes, yeah. as a okay. Michael Scott. All right, all right. So, okay, but all right, I, sorry, right. sorry, 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 oh, sorry. That, sorry. Uh, well, <laughs> you know what I mean? That sounds that sounds kind of delightful too. But it at could the same be like time. the I, British office, right? It could be the British yeah, office yeah. and not the American office. Uh, uh, maybe I, I think, uh, in the, in the off season, we should spend a little time doing some like fantasy casting for, yes. uh, that series. Cause that actually yeah. sounds kind of, uh, 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 it sounds disgusting actually. Um, yeah. uh, so, uh, but said, even related that said, to that, Hey, I just want to put it out there. I will write for your show. I will, uh, be the Stanley character. I will be the, uh, curmudgeonly black guy in the back of the office who just rolls his eyes whenever the camera lands on me. Just put it out there. Uh, but if you don't cast me, you don't hire me, I will relentlessly talk smack about your show. Uh, I mean, there, right? Corey, you're, I, th- I feel like you're kind of like a, a shoo-in. Like, that's like an easy, that's an easy sort of like, even just uh, CBS, get get this guy on as yeah. a consultant at the very yeah. least. Yeah, for at the, the very least. God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, so extending outwards even from that, Yes. Um, yes. We should touch on uh, during the off season. Uh, we should unpack the amazing Braun GP yes. documentary, yes. which is incredible. We are a f- uh, about a month away from uh, a release. Uh, the latest Oscar contender film from director Michael Mann That's will be right. Adam Driver as Enzo Ferrari. Yeah, uh, I've heard which, really which good things pretty, about that. I've heard really yeah. good things about it. So excited! Michael, Michael Mann is—he's—he's—he's uh, he's, he's no slouch. Um, yeah. and Adam Driver himself—you uh, know, maybe greatest modern actor of our time. Yeah. Yep. Um. So uh, th- there's going to be a lot to keep us uh moving forward in the off season and then of course just tracking all the other silly season events i think mm-hmm. the 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 seats are not settled i don't see any way shape or form where the current state is locked i think there's still no. going to be some surprises some twists and some things to well unpack this would be the first time in the history of the sport 
not just modern F1, but the history of this sport in all of its incarnations would be the first time that we had every single driver from the previous year show up the following year. It's never happened in the sport before, which like I was like, wait, is that true? A hundred percent. It is 100% true. Every single mm-hmm. year, especially in the old days when like people were dying left and right, like there was just no way they were going to have this. Um, but now when like we haven't experienced an actual death uh, from an on-track incident since the mid 90s, like that's for I mean, it's impressive that we've constantly had this rotation of drivers. There's, there's going to be there's going to be some musical chairs. Yeah, there I, has I'd to be, be certain of it. There has to be. Um, if there isn't, that's. Again, historical. It's a historical thing that we'll be able to look back on this these years and go like, oh, wow, yeah, there was that one year where like it was the same grid uh, as the previous year. Never happened before. Probably won't mm-hmm. ever happen again if it does happen this year. Uh, a lot to keep our eyes on. A lot to keep an eye out for. Uh, also, the F1 movie, the Apple Studios F1 movie is back in production. Um, that is filming and will continue to film in the off season. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, off track stuff that ends up being produced. And maybe we'll get some like behind the scenes mm-hmm. footage or some uh, some leaked photos or something like that. Uh, so a lot to cover in the next 96 days, I think, is the... 94 uh, days 94 until, days now. until practice one in yeah. Bahrain. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got some winter testing that'll be we'll be covering as well, but a lot of uh a lot of other deliciousness to cover in the next couple of months. Uh all right, Johnny. Where can the folks find you out there in the world? Oh, you can always track me down via my home base of johnnymotion.com. Corey, where can the folks find you? I am also on the internet. I am CoreyPWillis.com. Uh, you can track me down on some social media stuff too, uh, independent of that, which is the F1 Files on TikTok, the F1 Files on Twitter, and the F1 Files podcast on Instagram. And then the Burn Corey Burn stuff uh, uh, all over the rest of the internet. Folks, we are going to catch up with you the next time, even though the season's over. We still got a lot to talk about, and you got a lot to listen to on these F1 files. Mm. Mm.